Hi, Amandalyn here. I'm the creative director at Teak, and I'm jumping in to give you the scoop on an exciting new service, our semi-custom brands. Maybe you're just starting out in the industry, but want to make a great first impression and launch your business with a fresh and professional brand. Maybe you're looking to update your current branding and you're just not in a season that allows you to make a huge investment. Or maybe you're just looking for a quicker turnaround time than our signature brand service offers. If you resonate with any of these, then our semi-custom brand service is a great solution for you. So what exactly is a semi-custom brand? Each quarter, we'll be designing and releasing three new semi-custom brand concepts. I've worked to create brand packages that are on-trend yet classic. So that you have a good idea of the potential of each brand kit, our website showcases mock-ups and transformations. You have got to check these out. It's really cool. To start, you'll select the concept that you like and complete some fun homework assignments. Think Pinterest and questionnaires all about you so that we can get to know you and your business and your vibe. Then our operations manager will secure your design day with me where I'll customize your concepts by inputting info like your business name and tagline and build out your color palette. I'll devote six hours of my day to designing for you and sharing the drafts while we chat on the Slack app. You'll walk away with a logo suite, color palette, launch graphics to show off your new brand and a suggested list of fonts. We assure that once these brand concepts are personalized, no two look the same. If you'd like to learn more about the process or see those transformations for yourself, head to the link in our show notes. Our team is excited to bring our new semi-custom brands to the community and have the opportunity to help even more advisors. We hope to see you on our design calendar soon. Today's episode is one that I have been looking forward to long before it was actually scheduled. CS Travel is a DMC that I personally have worked with as an advisor, and I know that they deliver on the product that they represent. Their entire team is both knowledgeable and personable. George, the owner of CS, and I have something vital in common. We have a passion for creating a client experience that can be maintained and can remain consistent across multiple facets of a business. The conversation started at a dinner in Athens where he complimented our previous agency's processes. That discussion morphed into a goal to help other advisors understand what information is helpful for a supplier to have in order to make those once-in-a-lifetime itineraries that we desire to create. And so that's exactly what we're going to discuss today and so much more. Hey, it's your travel industry best friends, Robin and Jen from Teak. We're obsessed with practically anything that touches your business and allows you to scale to the level of success that you've always dreamt of. With Robin's background in sales and marketing and Jennifer's experience as a management level HR professional, we grew a small itinerary creation company into a multi-million dollar travel agency. And now we aim to help others skip the hard stuff and get right to the big wins. We're probably each recording this holding a glass of wine. So pour one up with us, grab a seat, and join us to talk all things travel and business. Welcome, George. Thank you, Jennifer. Thank you for having me on this podcast. It's about time, and I'm very happy to be here. (laughs) All right. So before we get started, I would love for you to share a bit about yourself, your background in the industry, and how C's came to be. Okay, I think this will do a twofold, how CES became to be and also how we got the name. So before I started travel back in early 2000, I was in finance. I was a trader and I was trading equities for foreign institutions. So basically the client was trusting the bank with the money and the bank had advisors that they were trusting me with the investment and where the investment should be for the clients who have a better performance. So again, I was in a background of B2B from the from the get-go. So back in 2009, one of Headphone owners in London said to me, since you're Greek uh, and I take your advice about Greek equities, why don't you find me a nice villa so I can come to Mykonos with my family in July and spend two weeks? And so I did. I went out, I found some um, villa owners. Back then, I remind you, in 2009, there was no luxury product and there was no real villa product out in the market. But having been a trader, you talk with a lot of uh, high net worth individuals in Greece. Uh, Some of them are listed companies. So they uh, were the owners. They were the first ones to go out and rent the villas and so on and so forth. So I did manage to get him a villa 
It's one of the most expensive villas in Mykonos. It was at the time 75,000 euros a week. We showed it to him. He came over. He did the inspection. He liked it and he booked it. He said, yeah, I'll come for two weeks with my family. So went back home, comes July, he comes over and goes from being a very nice guy and start being a little bit aggressive on his emails, which raised some bells. So I call up the owner. He said, I don't know, speak with the manager. I speak with the villa manager, Olga. And she said, everything is okay with the villa. We've got everything stocked. He's fine. However, He's having some arguments with his wife because he's always in his Blackberry and he's looking at the markets and he's trading. So I said, okay, why don't you cut the Wi-Fi off so he doesn't have a good signal over there? And I'll tell him that we have an issue with the Wi-Fi and we'll send somebody from Athens to fix it and he'll have it back in two days. She agreed. I called him. I said the whole story. He said, okay, never called me back. Spent the rest of the one and a half week that he had left came back to London, sent me a very nice thank you email, and uh, happy days. He just enjoyed an amazing holiday and never found out what we did. Four years later, I decided to leave the finance industry and go into hospitality. And we were trying to think with my team back then of a name that would kind of reflect of something that it is that we do. So we were coming across a lot of names. And then we said, you know, a lot of times our clients, they... They go on holidays and they spend so much money, but they never seize the moment to enjoy Uh that time. So we changed the spelling and uh, we had seize. So our tagline is seize the moment in between. In between the life cycles that you have, in between the series of your life, if you were a series uh, in a TV show, you have the seasons and you have different scenes. So in each scene, you have something else. So you need to seize that moment and live for that moment and not take all your life with you on the holidays. So that's how we came up with that. I've never heard that story. How did I not hear that? <laughs> I think we did. I did mention the story, but it was you were pregnant. and uh, <laughs> That might be why. <laughs> I think you might have forgotten it. We came I remember the ride, but I was, so for anyone listening, I am forever grateful for George for multiple reasons. But one thing, here's just a little bit of a testimony to why you should have travel insurance and also why you should have great partners. And that is also a form of insurance, if we'll be honest about it. I went to a fam in Greece and I was hosting it for our team. I was so excited about it. It was a stunning fam, best treatment, best team. And I will say this, I want to just shout out C's for a second because I really enjoyed how you do fam staffing, really, for lack of a better term. You rotated your team through and had us meet different team members along the way. So at some point we had someone that was more back office finance. We had Panos, who's in sales. We had the itinerary creators and the and the advisors themselves, the designers. So we really got to know your team intimately. And that was such a beautiful way of getting to know your company, not just one single team member that's representative of the sales force or something like that. So I really loved that. But what was I was really grateful for was on night... I suppose it was one, I woke up and the next morning I had a very swollen ankle and I was actually worried that I might've had a blood clot because I was about six months pregnant. And George is very accurate that my memory from that period of time, not stellar, but he took time out of his own day, took me to the emergency room, sat with me and basically translated for me, called his personal physician got me an appointment set up on Mykonos. I got to Mykonos, had one of their team members take me there and translate for me. But I do remember we were like beating the clock to get to the airport so that you could go to London. I could get to Mykonos for this appointment. I was asking you all about your businesses because you do have multiple businesses. And that's where my mind started whirling is just all of the different businesses that you have going on. And I I distinctly remember that. So I'm sure that's where you told me about C's, but I think I was focused on the the villa, the real estate, the travel planning. There was just so many things. And I was just so impressed by both how you manage the teams, 
but also how you've retained such a positive company culture within C's while you're also managing other organizations. And I think that's really commendable. I will go back to actually the night prior where the night started because we were in Athens. We had this beautiful dinner at the King George. No, yes. Britannia. Britannia. Yes. Grand Britannia. Yes. yes. So we had this beautiful dinner at uh, the, on the rooftop of Britannia and you and I were sitting at the end and I'll never forget this. This was the most hysterical comment I think I've ever received. You said, y'all are like travel witches. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, what? And you started talking about the various emails that we had created at Exploratory that we were using as our process. And now that's Teak's client communication templates, and that's a product that we sell. But one of the things specifically you were talking about was our boundaries and how you received an autoresponder. And I won't say what you called it on this, yes. <laughs> this podcast. But essentially an FU email, which was like, here are all the other solutions that you have in order to get, you know, an answer if you're on the fly, I'll get to you when I'm able to get to you. And I just, it was such a funny way of hearing it, but I want you to elaborate on that because that's what we're going to really dig into is kind of the process piece and talking about proposals and the information you need. But what was your perception of the processes and how that essentially resulted in a relationship with you as a DMC. Okay, first of all, it was a really funny night, and it was uh, <laughs> it was it was really good. But the way that you communicate and everything everything that you had, and the way we started the communication from the get go, and then your out of office emails, and then your your procedures, which I went on and I saw the terms and conditions and your procedures, they kind of set the bar at a level that you know you're dealing with a professional. And I think this is very important. It might sound awkward to somebody that is not used to getting sure. a, hold on, wait a sec, tell me what it is that you want. Mm -hmm. Because people are usually treated on a more sales-oriented language. So it's like, yes, 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 give me everything. Well, you, you shouldn't be taking everything. You should be taking what you need to take in order to come back with an accurate response to what they want. So I really like that. And I was so enthusiastic about it because that's how I'm thinking inside. And I had somebody sitting next to me that is actually thinking that outside and says it out loud to people. So mm -hmm. I was really excited because I thought, you know, first of all, I'm not the only one. And second, there is somebody that's doing it and they're successful in doing it and saying it because it actually sets a bar. And we should set a bar in our in our business. You can't just take everything, whatever people want to throw at you, you should be a professional as you align how a professional should be. And I think it's a very courageous and it was very good. And uh, although I said it's a FU email response, uh, I think it was a very clear one and a very, very precise. So yeah, that was amazing. I think people hear boundaries and they think that all you have to do is say, you're just constantly saying no to people. And that's not it. Boundaries are about saying yes in the times that fit your business model and your personal life and educating the client on the best practices that allow for you to provide the best experience. Being completely honest, if someone's texting me and they're Facebook messaging me and they're WhatsApping me and they're emailing me, I'm going to forget one of those. I'm going to drop the ball somewhere. So that's not going to be a feel good anyway. And I'm not able to provide the promise of what my planning fee states I'm going to deliver. And that's where we had to consolidate that. And we have to push back and we had to get it in, in writing. And I'm all about getting everything in writing. Anyone that has ever worked with me knows I'm very big about getting things in writing because if it's not in writing, it doesn't happen. So even if it happens on a call, I'm going to recap it in an email. And I appreciate that you said that that just made it professional because I do think that a lot of advisors that I perceive as incredibly professional, they don't have processes in place. And it's not about, you know, you're doing it wrong, but it's about, hey, you can do this in a more streamlined manner. You can scale and both your 
clients and your partners are going to see that as a sign of your professionalism and dedication to your career. So I, I really appreciate you saying that because a lot of people get very turned off by the thought of templates or automation and things like that. But other industries are doing it and they're yeah, used, exactly. they're considered professional, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I want to start to dig into the proposal process because this is something that you and I, we went very deep in discussing and started talking about how our templates, how our processes result in a best suited proposal for the client. So something that the client is going to receive and it's spot on is always the goal, right? We want we want it to be the first take. We don't want it to be back and forth, a million emails. And that's a whole conversation I had with Panos too, is like the amount of emails. If we can consolidate the communication to our DMCs into efficient emails, we're going to streamline your practices. You're actually going to be able to get us our documents faster, our proposals faster, like being most efficient and thorough in our emails and communication with you is always the best practice. So let's start talking about how we can collaborate with DMCs to get the best proposal for a client and what format is ideal for you to create that quote unquote perfect quote. Are you constantly copying and pasting the same emails over and over again? or logging in on the weekends just to see if your clients have arrived to their destination safely? Or are you constantly feeling like your clients are sending half pieces of information, causing you to have a string of emails that could potentially qualify for the Guinness Book of World Records? Yeah, we get it and we've been there. Imagine this though. This weekend, instead of picking up your phone and rushing to your computer, you pour your coffee, you enjoy a slow morning, all knowing that your clients have received automated touch points, empowering them with information about their trip, or they've received a form allowing you to seamlessly collect their preferences and information in one transaction. We've been asked for years to do something, and we finally did it. We've converted our massively popular client communication templates into a format that can be input into any CRM or email platform. If you're wondering if the client communication templates are worth the hype, you are going to want to check out the testimonials on our website of real advisors who took the leap and decided to work smarter, not harder. So regardless of whether you're using TravelJoy or you're just using an email platform and a form creator to send your client communications, you can transform your day from reactive emails that you copy and paste over and over again into a scheduled and streamlined workflow that allows your clients to relax and know that you are at the top of your game. In one booking alone, you could cover the cost of your new workflow and revolutionize the entire way that you do business. Start 2024 off on the right foot and give yourself the gift of consistency and boundaries. Get your 44 emails, 14 forms, two task lists, and editable header graphics through the link in the show notes. The perfect format, you know very well, is the format that you've created. <laughs> That's, really silly. That's an amazing format. Now, in order to be fast, we need to have essential details. Mm -hmm. So requests, like we're thinking about, have a client that's thinking about May on a Greek island, and they're a family of four, full stop, obviously cannot take us far. So dates of traveling are very important for us to have that. If there is a preferred destination, it would be great to have that. Of course, number of guests. And if it's a family, the ages of the children are very important because there are, could be some properties that are not suitable for younger kids. And for example, in Santorini, you cannot go on the caldera if the kids are under 13. In Milos, some hotels do not accept children under 13 because they want to have a more calm property and they, they don't want to have younger children. So we need to have that information if we're going to come back straight away and be able to understand where you're coming from. Approximate budget would always help if there are any hotel preferences. If they don't know the Greek hotels, if they're already been your clients and you've sent them to another hotel in another place, we can look up even if we don't know it and we can relate and see what type of style and lifestyle the client has. So we can come back with something that would be more appropriate and we can narrow it down. 
obviously for bigger groups, uh, for families, the room configuration, because a family of four, it can fit in many different types of uh, rooms. So the, the, the room configuration is very important. And then what are the guests' interests? What are their preferences? Is there a special a reason why they're traveling, they're making this trip? Is it a birthday? Is it an anniversary? Relaxation, taking the kids away after graduation? Is there something special that we need to have our minds on? So it really helps us knowing all this. And finally, in terms of numbers, it will be great if we know if you're quoting in net or gross prices and how it is that you want to work. Now, I think that sometimes the most important things to know or to outline to a partner is what they don't like too. Mm -hmm. I think there is so much to learn from what they have historically not enjoyed, what hotels didn't work for them, because a lot of the time people think in positives, right? Which I love, but like, what do you want? Well, we just want a beautiful experience. Okay, what do you not want? That's a different question. And they start to think of these things that maybe they did not enjoy. And so to me, that's always imperative when I'm doing an intake call for any destination is what went wrong on your last trip? We need to avoid that. And my friend, Heather, she always asks, who is the meltdown person? Like what is the trigger for melting down? And I really appreciate that too, because that's going to lend a lot of insight on the logistics and how you navigate different islands or the duration between the islands or how you get from one island to another, because maybe someone is seasick. Okay. Well, mm -hmm. we're not going to incorporate some kind of logistics that, that is going to make the motion sickness. I think this important. is really interesting because a lot of the time we are your representation on the intake call, right? What are the questions that you wish an advisor would ask? First of all, what you said, the dislikes, which is something that we never think about asking because we always ask for the positive and you don't want to come out with a negative. Sure. Uh, but, it, but it's important. It's important to know. I want to understand what is their lifestyle? What are the expectations? What is the purpose of this trip? These are the, the general ideas that I can get and be able to correctly advise which islands to visit and what the itinerary in that island would include. Because you can love to go to Mykonos, but you may not want to party. So we can give you an itinerary that you're not going to be hitting the traffic, the beach clubs full, the restaurants full, and you're having issues with reservations. So you need to understand where the client is coming from and where he wants to get and why. You know, it's interesting that you just said Mykonos in particular, because one of the biggest pain points that we had with clients as we started planning, as the newer advisors started planning, was articulating the logistics from island to island. And you really do struggle until you see certain destinations. And I think Greece is one of those that you understand a lot more when you're there, because when certain, maybe this is like a just a novice kind of obstacle. But when I think Europe, I think very walkable and, you know, popping between cafes and things like that. That is my experience with Paris, Florence, Rome, even Amalfi to an extent. But then you get to other areas and it's really, frankly, ignorant to assume that every place is going to be the same, obviously. But the biggest pain point, like I mentioned, was managing expectations when people go to the Greek islands of taxi cab availability and duration from getting from the hotel to the actual restaurant, the walkability of the island. And I would say that Mykonos was probably the most baffling for people because it is logistically a little bit challenging. I think it's unique in its own right. And it's not like the walkable towns unless you're literally staying in, you know, the waterfront, which is not really an option. So what questions do you think are important for us to ask when it comes to understanding the logistics? So we are not getting the backlash of frustrated clients when they're actually in the destination. What things, whether it's boat, air, walkability to restaurants, what do you think are those indicators that might trigger someone when it comes to getting around the logistics and understanding the islands itself? 
I would say that first I would be more keen to manage the client's expectations. Mm-hmm. So if uh, we hop on a call, the three of us, and we have a conversation and understand what they want, where they're coming from, and then we give them the story of how actually things could be and how different the walkability could be from Paris to Rome to Mykonos, then they can kind of understand and come back to you because you can't really ask somebody, are you okay if you're going to wait in the traffic for 40 minutes? Although the distance is so small, you could walk it, but you're wearing high heels and you don't want to walk that distance with with high heels. So you're willing to wait for 40 minutes to go there? Of course, the answer is going to be no. But if we understand what is the lifestyle that you expect to have when you're in Mykonos, then I can propose to you that you shouldn't be going to dinner at 10.30. You should go earlier, which I will explain to you why. And then you will understand why you should make the reservation a bit earlier or then you would know that if you are stuck in traffic for 40 minutes, you have the tolerance because you already knew about it. So it could be 20 minutes, it could be 15, but then you have the tolerance because we did manage the expectations. We did tell you how things were. In terms of asking questions, I think that the importance is if the agent knows the client because they've traveled to other destinations, then it's easy because they can give us information. If we don't know the client, nobody knows the client, then maybe we can ask the, the client what were the things that he liked in his past travel? Where did he stay? Where did he eat? How did he move around? And then we can start maybe building from that because otherwise you are in the unknown and that's the abyss. You, you don't know where to start from. There are two takeaways here for me, and this could be generalized to really any trip is one, I think the importance of having a baseline understanding of the destination is imperative before getting on the intake call. And I would prefer, rather than obviously watching a YouTube video, which if you're in a time crunch, sure, go for it. Watch a YouTube video on the differences on the islands and educate yourself or watch a training that's previously recorded. But I think the most valuable thing that you could do if you're not including your partner on that intake call is at least have a pre-intake call with your chosen supplier. So I would call you or I would call Panos and say, okay, I have someone that's very interested in Sifnos, but please tell me the things that I might need to know about this destination before I ever go into the call so that I can manage the expectations. And then the other takeaway is doing that pre-travel because I do think that the things that people get upset about are not necessarily, to your point, things that they would get upset about if they knew about them. Like if someone knows that when they arrive in Santorini, it's going to be mayhem, just look for the person with the sign, get off the ferry and go to your car. It's going to be on the left. They're going to have a sign with your name on it and expect traffic because there's only one road out of the port and it might take 40 minutes, that's managed setting that expectation. Whereas if you have not collaborated with someone, maybe you have bought a package or you haven't educated yourself and you've worked with a wholesaler, you're setting yourself up to have a frustrated client because you have not allowed them to manage their emotions while they're in the destination. And the same with taking the time from getting to a hotel to dinner. We had so many people say, I didn't know it's going to take 40 minutes to get to dinner. Okay. Well, now I know on the itinerary, my takeaway is I need to put, expect a 40 minute drive, even if it's a transfer that's previously set up. Yeah, exactly. And this is the reason why the client should be working with the travel agent because the travel agent has the contacts, has the knowledge, can have the information. The travel agent should be working with a DMC because the DMC has the contracts, has the knowledge, has everything locally, and he should be your buddy in that destination. And that's what we tried to do from the get-go, become your local friend that gives you the information, understand the same language, gives you the extra that you need. So I think it's very important to keep that circle if -hmm. you want to have a seamless break, a seamless holiday, for whatever occasion, you're much better protected when you're in that ecosystem Yeah, that will protect you. Can you speak to how you feel about changing dates because of flight availability? I think this is one thing that I've heard a lot of suppliers just kind of grit their teeth about 
And it's a real challenge that we face because a lot of people book on points now, right? So can you shed light on your best practice for an advisor when it comes to selecting dates and aligning flights? Usually what I do when they, when I first receive the request, are you set up with some dates? Do you have some dates in mind? As I said at the beginning of the podcast, it's one of the important things that we should have, the information that we should have, because we're checking about availability and rates in a particular time frame. So you should, for your flight should be in that time frame, not very much away from that. So you don't go from low season to mid season to high season. So well, even a one day change in July could be a drastic change of availability, right? Yeah, so exactly. if someone hasn't booked their flights, to me, that's kind of a non-negotiable before I even move forward with the DMC to say, hey, I need you to check out the flights. If you're going to book them yourself, I need you to check out the flights to make sure they align with these dates because the difference between July 7th and July 8th can be very big on where you're going to stay. If I was sitting on the travel agent side, I would say, okay, you're thinking of Greece. Go back, call, have a conversation with one of the travel designers, get some ideas of islands, potential properties, Okay. show them to the client, see that you're in line with that, and then indulge them and have them move forward with their flights. But so they can have an idea because a lot of times the clients start and they don't have a budget. They don't want to review a budget. They don't know exactly what. They don't know how many days where. So if you come to us and we give you an overview for Sifnos, for Paros, for Andiparos, and how you get from one place to another, you start setting some something up. Once the client gets excited, they can then go ahead and book the flights. And then you have something more solid to work on. Mm-hmm. Okay, so... Let's talk about, since we were talking about the what not to do or the what what clients don't want to do, let's talk about what not to do when working with a DMC. And we kind of just touched on this a little bit, but what are the things that you would prefer advisors stay away from? And then if you can give the contrast to that, like what would be a best practice instead? Sometimes advisors take our itinerary or our email and they copy paste and they send it to their clients. That's a tricky thing because if you don't have the depth of what we wrote to you and you just copy paste or forward it, when you get a question, then you're going to be in an awkward situation. So if you jump on a call with us and you have information, then you can copy paste, send something and you have some tools to support what it is that you just sent. I think it's very important that you always add your own color our stories are always colorful and we'll always come back to you with why, but you should also be adding some of that. If you don't know why, if you haven't been in a farm trip, you haven't been to Greece for a long time, you can talk to us and you'll get that. Also, one of the tools that we didn't mention earlier is we, we ha- also have a podcast and we talk about the different destinations in 25 to 35 minutes. So you can learn a little bit more than you already have or refresh your memory of what you've already seen. Another point I would say that people should avoid doing is putting us direct contact with the client before they even have flights, before they've even settled everything. So it's just, I have a guy, a family that wants to come to Greece, jump on a call with us and leave us all alone because we don't know the client. We can definitely try and manage the client's expectations, but we'll be working in the dark. Well, if you're there, We'll never be working. We'll jump on a call with you, on a conference call with you and the client, but we don't want to be left alone in the room. And sometimes child designers, they just speak to uh, C's and you know they'll look after you. And that's, that's very difficult. Finally, I would say when a lot of travel agents feel that it's easier to book their hotels by themselves and then come back to you with the itineraries and they have certain suggestions, it's easier when all the logistics are in one house because you could manage everything from the time that they have the, the arrival, the pickup. You can manage the early check-in, late check-out. You can manage the guides. Everything that you've booked thereafter, you can have it in one shop. It doesn't bother us to, to do only the activities. It's just better managed if it's all in one house. Plus the facts that I mentioned before that you get better commission, better availability, all the amenities, et cetera, et cetera. So you, you really have no reason to do that. A few things to touch on because this is 
where I, I had a cocktail with Panos is actually, this is, I want to, again, shout out to you guys because I feel confident that you arranged this, but everywhere I went, there was alcohol-free wine while I was pregnant. But I was, so I was having a mocktail with, with Panos while the rest of the group was doing the many stairs of Santorini. And we were talking specifically about things that make your jobs a little bit more difficult as well. And one of them was responding. <laughs> this might be silly. He might be mad at me for sharing this. Responding in different emails rather than responding back in the email string, which I agree with. So I want to share that as well, just as a best practice. It's, if you're creating new emails every time, that's not to say that you're necessarily frustrating someone, but I will say it helps to have context of being able to scroll down and see the previous communications. So I don't know if you have anything to say about communication best practices with DMCs, whether you prefer it by phone or email or anything like that, but are there any best practices I should say? that allow you to do your job more seamlessly when it comes to our communication to you? I think it's very important. The emails need to have a continuation. They mm -hmm. should be on one screen. And second, the subject on the email is very important and that's why it's called the subject. Okay. So if you start a subject, new inquiry for 24, and then you continue there with a different client and a different client and a different client, mm -hmm. it's a new inquiry for what? Which one was a new inquiry? Mm -hmm. So it needs to be specific. Email, new inquiry for Jennifer 2024. You continue on that, on that thing. A lot of times, I think you mentioned it before, people are trying to contact you. Facebook, they're WhatsApping you, they're sending you a text message, they're sending you an email, they're making a call. Everything at the end of the day needs to be in writing. If we need to do a quick back and forth, we can do it on a WhatsApp. But we can confirm some things on WhatsApp and we would always come back to you and say, Jennifer, mm -hmm. this is what we discussed over on mm -hmm. WhatsApp. Kindly confirm. Or because I don't want you to reply and uh, waste your time. If this is not correct, please let me know. So if you don't reply, it is what it is. It is what we said on WhatsApp or what we said over the phone. But it's very important that we keep the track of the request in one place and not all over the place. Because the, the devil is in the detail. Yeah. And if your details are spread across different platforms, of course the devil is going to get lost. So we need to put them in one place to make sure that we can monitor and not be all over. My proposal rundown, it's actually in our supplier communications bundle, which you have access to in the secret shop if you have the client communication templates. But it's got ideal dates and duration, destinations, itinerary must-haves, budget, which you have to get drilled down on a budget. I know we haven't even discussed that, but there needs to be at least a range. And if someone says it's open, I promise you that it is not open. Everyone has a limit. And even if you say, well, let me throw out some hypotheticals then. How is 10,000? How is 20,000? And you can use previous trips as context. So like, what was the budget of your last trip? And maybe that will start to coach them, but you need to find a way to get comfortable with talking about budgets if you haven't already. And then giving an example of the itinerary that you discussed with some initial thoughts, and then outlining the specific items you need. So I'm looking for the proposal to include accommodations, transportation, activities, et cetera. And then I say to share a bit more on the client, Here's my previous experience with the clients. Here are some previous details on trips that they did and didn't like. And here's the client's style as they described it. I also include allergies, mobility considerations, and then names and birth dates because I think that's really helpful. I try and get names and birth dates from day one so that it's always in there and you can have the lead traveler information and you're not having to come back to me. Again, like giving you the most so that we can have the least communication and everyone can be most efficient. Okay. Exactly. So I do want to transition. I want to be efficient with your time as well, but I would love for you to share about the pre-travel information that you want or that you want hotels to know. And this is something that you had shared with us as well as when your advisors are preparing the hotels for your guests' arrival, they're giving information that's empowering the hotel to create a memorable experience. And that's also where the relationship can really change. So 
Can you shed light on what you mean by that? First of all, the way that we discuss what are the best practices in order to receive a client's request from an agent, we do the same discussions with reservations from different hotels. So we gather the information in order to make sure that what we ask and what is needed for the hotel in order to provide the best experience and to make the guests feel like right at home is the right information. So we had this discussion with our reservation teams and now we'll send them a certain template when we have a confirmation booking. So we do want to know what are the client's likes in terms of beverage, their coffee, the way that they like to be treated, every detail, the end small information is not small. It's extra information that people do not have. We also think that it's very important to always have a note, a personalized note from the travel designer. We pass the information to the hotel and there's a note welcoming your client. And the note, I know a lot of people might think, oh, it's really not so important and what difference would it make? But think of it like this. You arrive in your hotel in Athens and they walk into the hotel, they receive a note and saying, I hope you had a great flight. I know it was a long flight, uh, but rest assured, you're going to have an enjoyable time in Greece and in Athens and X, Y, and Z. Your next note in Mykonos says, I hope you enjoyed your dinner over there and the Acropolis tour that we set up for you and enjoy your time in Mykonos. The next one in Santorini continues. It's the thought process and it's not welcome to Athens, welcome to Mykonos, welcome to Santorini. It is so important to go that extra sentence, which you already know you have in your plans and you don't even have to do because we're going to do it and we're just going to send it over and make sure that there's a note there. But it makes a lot of difference that the client feels that way. And we always let from the reservations, sales departments, know who is arriving and when is arriving and what is that they like. And if we have information about maybe something went wrong in Athens, We'll call Mykonos, which is mm-hmm. an Exeter, and say, guys, look out because you had a really great experience and you really need to knock it out of the park. And when the clients walk in and people are aware, not of something personal, but they're treated in a way that it calms them down and makes them relax and makes them feel at home. That's all you need. And always a great thing to have. It's also, you know, I, I hate to say this, it's about the client experience. It's also about marketing, if we're being honest, because when someone has a great experience, their referral is going to be that much stronger. I think there are some brands that just do kids amenities incredibly well, like the Four Seasons. If you let them know, they're going to have something that's very kid-friendly. They're going to bring a snack that's kid-friendly. They're going to create that experience. And that's why those brands are those brands, right? They have set the bar for those experiences. My thought is if you are booking someone a luxury experience, one, I think it is to your point, due diligence. It's your due diligence to create the luxury experience. They want a certain level of experience. That's why they've come to you. That's why they've invested in a planning fee. That's why you've gone to a provider, a supplier that you really enjoy and trust. So that is when we hand over that luxury experience to a hotel. It doesn't stop halfway. It is that continuation on your hotel is now the extension of your service and you should be empowering them with the same information that you've empowered your DMC with. And so I hope this is not an overstep. I would love your insight on this, but we always sent an email that said the supplier we were working with, the client names, we shared the occasion We reconfirmed the room category and we asked for any additional dinner reservations or spa reservations or anything like that, that maybe we had not organized through Mm -hmm. our partner. And then we also share favorites, allergies, mobility considerations, children, connecting rooms, things like that. So my question to you is one, do you consider that an overstep as a partner for us to be emailing the hotel directly? And two, is there anything else that you feel is relevant to include on that, if not? (laughs) No, I I don't think it's an overstep. I would say that you don't really have to do it because we already do it, because we already ask you all those questions. And we will give the relevant information to the hotel prior to your client's arrival. 
So I don't think there's a need for you to do it, but definitely not an overstep. If you want to do it, you can do it. Okay. But good thing to be aligned, to know that we are doing it. So you don't have to do it as well. So the hotel feels that we are not in good communication. Mm -hmm. And I think from what we've covered all throughout, all the things that we need to ask, all the information that we need to have, I don't see that there's anything that we've left out in terms of having the right information in order to do your due diligence and make sure that you've got everything now. Okay. The one last thing, I forgot this. I did always include the the full itinerary with transfer information as well, because I think that is one thing that a lot of clients do need is like a reconfirmation of a transfer or something like that. It's important for me to know that the concierge has that on site because sometimes the client may go to the desk and they don't have that on them. They have it from us. They okay. Have, they have that they have a transfer in the morning at 10 o'clock, that they have a booking reservation in this restaurant at nine o'clock in the afternoon. The hotel has all the itinerary that the client is going to be doing in that specific location. So if we're in Mykonos, they have all their Mykonos itinerary, pickup time at 10, drop off mm -hmm. time at 12, cruise at that time, which they don't need to know about the cruise. They need to that they have a pickup for a crew. They have all the information from us. We always share that information. And we always, in the obviously, since we push you to leave a welcome note, the hotels always knows who is the agent behind mm -hmm. the booking. Mm -hmm. They know okay. that we're B2B. They know that there's an agent. But because we're leaving a special note, they know that it's from Jennifer yeah, from XYZ Travel. So it's very important that everybody has information, not just us. The hotel needs to have information. They need to know exactly what the client is doing. Because otherwise, a very easy example that I was saying before, things to avoid uh, when I said you shouldn't be booking hotels by yourself and trusted by us. The client comes down, he's in Mykonos, they're totally relaxed. They come down and they go to the concierge and they're like, we're waiting for our car. And the concierge has no reservation for them. If we hadn't sent them the whole itinerary, they would panic. They would think that they forgot something. So everything, the whole mood starts to change. So that's why oh, yeah. it's very good to have everything in one place because that one place passes on the information to the next one and to the next one and to the next one. And it's so much easier. Uncertainty equals a breakdown in trust. And so, you know, if someone's feeling uncertain that their transfer is going to arrive, they're going to start to doubt that relationship. They're going to start to doubt your credibility. And it's like a snagged thread. Once there's like one little mishap, you know, it's exactly the, the mood can start to unravel so easily. It doesn't even have to be something big or monumental. It, it just, when people are investing so much in a, in a vacation, they really, especially at a level of luxury, they are expecting a frictionless experience. So whatever you can do to remove that friction, to empower all of your partners with the information. I think just as a note for any other destinations you're planning in the world, it's really important to ask the DMC, are you doing this? Are you passing on the itinerary to the concierge? So this podcast episode is to empower you to ask those questions to your partners. What are they going to know? What is it going to say? Is this an overstep? Do you consider this kind of breaching our relationship? Because some DMCs may feel uncomfortable, like you're not trusting them or you're quality checking them and you never want to create that tension either. So I would just ask your partners when you have that pre-intake call and say, okay, here's my process. I charge a fee. I do this. Pre-travel, I'd love to connect with you and get a good rundown on everything. Or, you know, when you send the proposal, I might want to hop on a call and understand the why of why you picked hotels so I can sell it without hesitation. Because these are points where we can really partner together and Sometimes, especially in high season, we start to feel that panic between supplier and agent and that relationship starts to get tense over email. And I think a lot can be broken down by just having a phone call and being real and being human with each other. So don't ever forget, no matter how busy you get, that there's always a real person on the other end and they have your best interests in mind. And sometimes pretty much always, it's just a gap in communication that can be solved quite easily. Exactly. And in, in what you said back in my finance days, I would check my analyst forecasts. And as I said before, I like spreadsheets. I'll go on a shell. If I see that the number is wrong, the whole spreadsheet is for the mm -hmm. garbage. I would not trust the spreadsheet. So I would tell him if one thinks, and it's, it's to what you say, it's an attest to what you say. If one thing goes wrong, then you start to doubt 
everything. Yes. So you need that everything is correct and then you can trust the whole process. And in terms of, should you ask me if you're overstepping? No, if we don't know each other, you don't know, we don't know how we work. Of course, you should set your grounds that, you know, this is how I'd like to work, George. Can you guys at C's do that? And you'll be happy to hear that we do it anyway. We do it by default. And the reason we do it by default, it's because what we were saying at the beginning of the podcast, I want to make sure that I alleviate you from all the troubles that you have so you can have your time to go sell, find your clients and do your daily tasks and daily personal lifestyle things that you need to do that we all need to do. So our job is to cover all the small points. We spoke with the concierge, we speak with the travel designers. So we have that information. We are lucky enough to have met with people like you that you are able to put a FU email in front of, uh, on your out of office and take courage from that and go back and build tools that will give us exactly that. I love this. Thank you so much for taking the time. I think we could talk for hours. Thank you to our listeners for joining another Teak Talks episode. If you're loving our content, we'd love and appreciate your support and feedback. Head on over to the Apple Podcast, hit subscribe so that you never miss when an episode drops. And while you're there, please leave us a rating and review. Thank you again, George. Thank you so much for being here and sharing your perspective. It's so valuable. Thank you very much for having me here. It was really nice. I'm very happy that we finally ended up doing it. We're sending you a long distance cheers because you just finished another episode of Teak Talk. If you loved what you heard, hit subscribe and head over to the show notes for any resources and a summary of this episode. In the meantime, if you want more access to us, we are personally inviting you to join our Niche by Teak community, where we host live events, answer your questions, share destination masterclasses, and give you a front row seat to all the resources that we launch throughout the year. Plus, what's better than being surrounded by like-minded advisors that are hyping you up to succeed each day? We think nothing. Head over to www.teakhq.com backslash niche to join the community today.